Welcome to Reptile Fight Club. We got a good one for you tonight. Um, I'm Justin Julander, and with me, as always, is my co-host Billy Hunt. How you doing, Billy? Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Taking over. <laughs> uh, Chuck's a little late today, so we got uh, Billy taking over, filling in here. <laughs> one slip up, and you get uh, yeah, you get subbed get out. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't have any patience for that kind of stuff. No latecomers. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah, awesome. it's, uh, I'm excited. I've I've listened to uh, a few of the episodes you guys have done, and it's a really cool concept. And it's cool to have a you know a show with a a different you know I guess mentality to it you know yeah, than all well, the other ones. So. That's kind of what we we're going for. I appreciate it. That's nice of you. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, I've heard you on several podcasts. I, I we met in person uh, maybe more than once. I know for once for sure at Tinley. Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of years, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I was uh, Jason Hood's do boy <laughs> at that show. So people either thought I was Jason because I, you know, I'm a little tall too, and uh, mm. or they just forgot who I was. So, <laughs> but yeah, well, we met there and chatted. So. Yeah, I think Jason was really busy. I, I was thinking, oh, I'll catch up with him, and but he was busy talking to people, and so yeah, I'm like I'll chat with Billy because I, you know, I'd heard you on some of the podcasts, and yeah, I, I like the way you think and the stuff you work with. So, like, I got to chat with him. So, cool. Looks like you've uh, how's well. I guess I say, how's your season going? How's are things? Uh, got eggs uh, my, yet? Or parents? I have stuff? one clutch. I have mm-hmm. uh, one clutch of Nova Guineas okay. in the in the incubator. Uh, mm-hmm. Always excited to get those. That's a project I'm really excited about. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of people working with them or there, there's a couple, no, but yeah, there's Pretty. not a whole bunch. I think I uh, don't quote me on this, but I think only five breeders have produced them. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. far, but they're gaining traction and they're getting out there more and uh, people are starting to appreciate them. And, you know, cause they, they've been around for, you know, quite some time, but, they're not flashy, you know, they're khaki and brown snakes. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when you have all the morphs and the bright colors, you know, I get that, but you're starting to get the more hardcore people that are, you know, starting to notice that they're really cool and yeah. They don't bite. They're carpets that don't bite. So That's crazy. What's, uh, yeah. So what's what's the story behind those? What what kind of intel do you have on where they came from or what's their background? Uh so as the story goes, uh, they do come from Papua New Guinea. Okay. So it's kind of up in the air on what they are as far as if they're a different subspecies or if they're just a locality or, you know, if they're pop one carpets and, uh, you know, it's just up in the air. Not enough has been yeah. done and it's kind of hard to get over there and, you know, for people to do the research needed, you know, because mm-hmm. of the area. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, they're kind of, we did a, a write up on them in the magazine, um, oh, okay. one of the first issues. Uh, mm-hmm. the whole thing was like, you know, the mystery carpet, you know, like what is the actual thing with it? Uh, I talked mm-hmm. to Nick about it and supposedly there's one guy in Europe that has the information, but he just refuses to talk to anybody. So <laughs> here we weird. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't help when that, when that kind of stuff impedes, you know, the knowledge and stuff. So yeah, yeah it, it, 
but they, yeah, they're, they're an interesting thing for sure. I, I guess, you know, I have a hard time as soon as you leave Australia and go North. <laughs> I don't know why, well, but I yeah, I, I, I'm not as, as excited about the, the New Guinea stuff as, as I am about the Aussie stuff. But that said, I mean, I have, uh, some green tree pythons from New Guinea and, uh, I don't have any Baby more. Steps. Uh, yeah. I got rid of all my, uh, IJs or. Uh, New Guinea carpets. And so I don't have any of those anymore, but doing, you know, researching for the book, it was uh, interesting to see, you know, kind of the disjunct population that's over there. And so that would be really interesting. I I don't think there's really a genetic uh, difference, at least not, not as of now, or, but, but I don't know if they've run the samples from the PNG side, you know, usually the samples all come from the, the Indonesian side. So it's hard to say, but yeah, definitely uh, interesting. It needs more work up there, but yeah, well, maybe one day we'll know. Yeah, no, Daniel Natush uh, published a pretty nice paper on uh, the the animals up in uh, New Guinea, so mm-hmm. that was uh, interesting and had some really good information that wasn't really had up to that point. So, yeah, good stuff. Well, that's cool. Yeah, you, you expecting a very big season, or uh, I'm hoping I put a lot of stuff together, but. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how that goes. I'm kind of in that. Uh, well, before I got that first clutch, I was in that panic mode of, oh, nothing's going to happen, you yeah. know, phase. But I'm starting <laughs> to see signs through. now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like uh, I have a Maclot girl that's, you know, doing the pretzel thing now. So that's mm-hmm. a good good sign. Um, I got another girl that's, you know, not eating and stuff. So I'm starting to get the good signs. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's, you know, a good season. Well, it already is. I got eggs. So. Yeah. It's already a good <laughs> yeah. season. Everything else is a uh, bonus from here. But Right. Um, yeah. All my carpets took last year off. So if I can get a couple of carpet clutches, that'd be nice. <laughs> I really need to produce some inlands and some some other stuff. But it looks yes, like I do. might I have agree. a jungle female that's going soon. So that'll be nice, too, to have more jungles on the ground. I haven't produced those for a while. Kind of laid off the carpets a bit after kind of the all the ones were coming in from Europe and everybody was kind of morph hungry. And so I'm just like, I'm going to take yeah. a break for a bit, <laughs> but well, it's cool to see smooth. that uh, people are kind of stepping back from the morph stuff. And mm-hmm. it seems like they're more either want selective, selectively breed, you know, wild type stuff or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, locality stuff's taken a lot of, a lot of traction lately too. So yeah, it's funny seeing the cycles, you know, when you're in it long enough, yeah. you see the ups and downs of uh-huh. everything. And, and <laughs> for all that. sure. Yeah, it's cool to see the like when I got into it, it was just Jags, Tigers and Reds. You know, that mm-hmm. was the, the thing. And then awesome IJs. And to see, you know, the cycle do a dip and high end is pretty cool. So Yeah, yeah, that's it's uh it's interesting when you stick around for a while. Right. <laughs> yeah, not a, seriously. not a lot of people do that anymore. But uh, I guess there's some good long termers out there. Yeah. Speaking of which I get to go, uh, I'm headed up to Seattle next week for a work conference and I'm, uh, going to hang out with Casey Lazic. So that'll be fun to, oh, there he's you always, go. he's always good to hang with and he's got so many cool stories, but one of my oh, heroes yeah. for sure. One of my mentors in the, in herpeticulture. And I remember it was probably about, um, what, maybe 15, 20 years ago when I first met him and it was kind of, it was, it was at a, a conference up in Seattle again. It was one of my first ones after I got my job or started up at Utah state. And, uh, I just kind of like 
approached him out of nowhere and asked him if I could come to his house and all this stuff. And he's like, he, he let me come over to, you know, to his credit. Nice. Like I, yeah, it was really nice. So, uh, and we've just been friends ever since. So it's pretty cool. You know, so I've noticed, uh, I don't mean to interrupt. Um, no, no, yeah, you're good. But I've noticed like more recently people aren't as open to, you know, let people come see their collection and stuff. Now, yeah. you know, people are a lot more guarded and, which I get. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of the same way. Like if I've met you before, you know, and I don't get weird vibes. Yeah, sure. Come, you know, I'll talk snakes yeah. with anybody, but you know, if mm-hmm. someone just cold messages me or just comes up, Hey, can I come see the place? Like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess <laughs> yeah. I'm part of the problem too. But No, I mean, uh, you know, you, you gotta have a little, and, and I think, you know, we sat and chatted for a while before he even offered to show me the animals. Like, I was like, I just want to meet you. You're like a legend. You yeah, know? for so, sure. You know, I, I guess maybe we worked up to the point where he's like, okay, this guy's okay or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's so a, we, we, the process. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I guess, why don't you do a quick introduction? Tell us kind of how you, or tell me, I guess there's no Chuck. There's no us right now. So (laughs) tell me how you, (laughs) or the listeners, right? Yeah. Um, how, how, uh, how you got into this or, you know, what's your place in herpticulture? All right. So my name is Billy Hunt. I run Uwabami Reptiles out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, I got into reptiles, first or second grade, something like that. Uh, You know, like most of us, Um, I actually, I wasn't surprisingly being in Florida. I wasn't the, uh, the kid going outside catching everything. I was kind of more of a fish person at that point. Uh You know, I had, even though I was young and a kid, I had a few years of like building my own tanks and, you know, doing all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. then it morphed into, Oh, I see these leopard geckos at the, pet shop and no, oh, let's do that. And then that turned into a handful. And then, uh, your mastics, water dragons, uh, <laughs> chameleons, you know, mm-hmm. all, yeah, all the stuff you get into. Cause I was actually, I wasn't in the snakes at first. I, uh-huh. I was, you know, kind of spooked by them. Uh-huh. And, uh, that kind of, you know, how it goes when you're kind of fearful of something, you kind of get fascinated by it. And then the yeah. more you know about something, the more interested you are. And uh-huh. then this happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah as, so, as, as he's talking in front of a wall of <laughs> yeah, the, cages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, when were you, when you, um, I, uh, how old were you? When were you, how old were you when you got into the snakes, I guess? Uh, I was, what was I? 14 or 15. I was just started high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I made the decision uh, that summer before I started high school, actually before that, that I was going to get a snake and I'm doing research. I found carpet pythons. I found Caponetto's old website, uh, Will Bird's old website, your website. You know, I printed off all the, (laughs) all the stuff with them and, I decided I wanted a male IJ because they were small, you know, smaller. They had the color scheme that I liked. I really like earth tones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I went to Daytona that year and the rest <laughs> is history. As yeah. They say. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Once you see them in person, that big, uh, big change, I think. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was a, uh, so it was actually nerds table that, uh, mm-hmm. I found the, cause it was already, it was like a three-year-old male. That's what they told me. It was probably an import. Who knows? 
But uh, <laughs> I sat there and held that thing for probably 45 minutes. And the guy was so Kevin wasn't the one talking to me. It was one of the, the other guys. And uh, <laughs> I would think of a question because I knew all the questions. But then when it's time, you know, the spotlight's on, you're like, oh, man, yeah. what do I say? <laughs> and uh, he was so cool and so easygoing. He would talk to me for a little bit. And then he saw I was thinking, he was like, hey, I'm going to go talk to this person. I'll be back. And mm-hmm did that a few times and it was just a good experience all around. And obviously that snake, you know, secured my love for Moralia and carpets and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, and you've got some really uh, great projects over there. Uh, Some of your, you got the, I like, I really like the, the coastal stuff you're working with and. uh, Yeah. So I got into, I got into it more on the IJ, you know, side uh, that was my main focus because one of the big purchases I made early on was a uh, it was a ten lot of farm bred babies from Dan Maleri. Yeah. Um, you know, once I got my house, I'm like, okay, I got this. I can, you know, pretty much do what I want now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got some really cool ones in that group. And uh, then just how things work out, I ended up getting a couple coastals, getting a few more coastals, and. Now I look at them like, when did I get more coastals than IJs? And just kind of morphed <laughs> yeah. into that. Yeah. Uh, when you ask about like my place and everything, I guess I'm known as the stripe guy. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, obviously not, you know, not as much as Balin or, you know, the real guys, <laughs> but that seems to be the thing that I get drawn to the most. So mm-hmm. I have stripe projects and coastal jungle IJ, um, uh, crosses and you know, mm-hmm. it has a stripe it's kind of hard for me to say no so yeah i'm the same way i, I love the the stripe stuff yeah that's good oh, stuff nice well, there, to join us there hey is. it's right. johnny come lately <laughs> our guest has arrived My bad. you've been replaced chuck you've been no, replaced. i deserve it i deserve it how dare i all right. Dare yeah. I. You get one strike on yeah. this podcast. Yep. Yeah, I know. I'll never live it down c- coming from you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, you, you had to remind me we were recording a couple weeks ago. That's fair. So, That's yeah. fair. I should get yeah. I should at we're, least we're get a partial pass here. Exactly. But <laughs> Well, good time. We just kind of introduced Billy and, and uh, we can move on or get into the fight, cool. I suppose. So. Unless, unless you got anything to say. No. no. I, ap- to say I apologize. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we were just talking about uh, this collection, um, striped carpets. That's that gets kick, my kick ass. I, I kick ass striped, striped carpets. carpets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's something about a striped carpet that just doesn't. That it was my uh, striped oh, yeah. anything really. I like striped snakes in general. Yeah. Striped lizards. So. I had some striped yeah. Levis for a little I, while. Uh, uh, I I I said back in the day, you know, when when they were doing the whole light side dark side thing, that Team Coastal was actually Team Solo. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. that's right. Like yeah. that. <laughs> so the so what would that? I guess that would be Kylo Ren then, if you're into coastals and IJs. See, so. but then you just you now go. you're yeah. I guess okay. I get what you're, you're dark saying. Side I, I get what you're saying solo. now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you're Star Wars nerds, but I guess. Yes, I am. There's a couple I, of us. I, out there, I right? saw Empire Strikes Back in the theaters. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. 
the real fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least the old fan. I don't know. You know, like yeah. I, but I, I think I, I think I saw the original one, but I think I was an infant yeah. when the the new hope. Came I was certain. So I was certain. My parents took me to that. I, I was certainly around, but definitely young enough that I probably can't legitimately claim I remember seeing that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember yeah. at all. But then uh, my parents got the soundtrack, and I'd sit, you know, by the radio player or the record player and play that over and over. Nice. And get all excited about okay. the music. So, grab me from an early age, I suppose. But all righty then. Um, I guess if we don't have anything else to say, we can start fighting here. Um, so today we are going to talk about the, I guess, uh, pros and cons or, or one side versus the other of either working for a professional breeder or kind of learning on your own and, and developing your own uh, techniques and, and learning strategy through just working with different animals. So should be an interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. see how it goes here. All right. Well, um, Chuck, do you want to flip to see who gets to debate Billy? <laughs> sure. Okay. You, you want to call it? I can. <laughs> I'll try to. I'll try to moderate my flip strength here, so you can you can watch and see. <laughs> can I see your? I don't know. I, I want to see your hand. That was heads. I think. You are yeah. correct, my yeah. friend. <laughs> see, I like to see his hand because he's he telegraphs now. So I I've, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if you've caught he's it. He's got me all figured yeah, out. I, on previous episodes, I actually uh, telegraph this. So anybody who watched Justin flip, uh, you know, he, he, he typically his low flips are tails. His high flips are always heads. So. Um, I good to know. Yeah, I, yeah I, you got right. you got a sharp eye. Chad. I will take the debate this time. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you I'll moderate. moderate yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. All right, Billy, your turn. See if you can see my, my flip strength on that and give it a call. All for right. That looks high. So I'll say heads and it's heads. So All you right. get the, you get to choose which side you want to defend. Uh, I will choose learning on your own. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Benefits That's of fine. pro training under pro breeders for Chuck and learning on your own for Billy. Cool. All right. Um, do you want to go first or do you want to let Chuck go first? I'll let Chuck go first. All cool. right. The, He's the into old it. Chuck, the old <laughs> putting, putting his strategy on him. On yes. Him. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think one of the, the main things that first I'd say is that, uh, you know, learning from a professional breeder um, definitely has its advantages and, and you're kind of uh, ahead of the curve. You're, you're kind of, uh, already being taught um, uh, ahead of other people's mistakes. They've made the mistakes and, and you've kind of um, benefited from the, the, what they've learned and, and their experience. And they can kind of, you know, teach you those pitfalls without you necessarily having to make them. And, you know, as we, as we've probably all learned uh, with our mistakes, sometimes they can be expensive and uh, sad and, and, and they can kind of hurt a little bit. So, you know, sometimes if you can, uh, you know, get around the hump, so as to speak of not having to suffer through some of that, I think that's probably one of the bigger uh you know, one of the bigger reasons why learning from a professional is, is advantageous. All right. Strong start. What do you got, Billy? <laughs> all right. So, I mean, I can't disagree with any of that and it all, it all sounds good. So I guess, uh, a reason I picked this, this topic or 
out of the ones that uh, we had. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I tried like hell to uh, find somebody to kind of take me under their wing, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, and time and time again, I got, you know, basically it didn't happen. So yeah. it's pretty much a, a trial by fire thing. Um, yeah. They didn't want to give you the, the big salary and benefits that you were asking for? <laughs> no, no, like, no benefits, no stock options, nothing like that. Yeah. So um, pretty much I, I didn't have a choice but to, to learn on my own. So mm-hmm. um, I think, too, it, it depends on who like who you're learning from, you know, cause every breeder is not, you know, on the up and up as much as the next guy, you know, it depends on what their, mm-hmm. what are their motives? What are, you know, what's the reasoning behind? Is it a big, you know, huge commercial guy that, you know, maybe they're just worried about the bottom line and you're learning more of the business side of it. Or is it someone that, you know, is just a snake nerd and they got, you know, a whole bunch of, different species and they just want to figure them all out. Um, so it, you know, that varies too. So that's going to depend on which is better and which isn't, uh, for me, I, so I kept for 10 years before I decided to breed. Um, and within that 10 years, I made so many mistakes, (laughs) like a ridiculous (laughs) amount of mistakes, just like we all have. But, uh, you know, and it's just like anything else in life. Like, as long as you learn from the mistakes that you make and you don't continually make them, you know, that's good. This whole hobby is a hobby of trial and error. Um, so even if you are learning from a big breeder, it's not going to have the same impact as if you make the mistake yourself or it's your, you know, let's say like Chuck alluded to, it's, you know, it's your expensive mistake. Um, it's just humans in general, you know, you can tell somebody the right way to do something a hundred times, but until you actually make the mistake yourself, it's not going to stick. You know, that's just how we're wired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's that to factor in too. Um, I, I imagine too, that if, if you're making a mistake with your own animals versus with somebody else's, and you're probably going to learn a lot more and take, take it more seriously if it's, if you're, if they're your own animals rather than somebody else's yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, you know, so in those 10 years, I just kind of honed in. uh, I just had carpets at the time. So I just kind of learned as much as I could. I gathered as much information as I could, uh, researched on the Internet, did everything I could, made my mistakes. And pretty much my goal was to vend a show. So my idea was I wanted to when I put that table of carpets out, if someone came to me, there wasn't going to be many topics that I couldn't, you know, handle and, you know, take care of for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be that guy. I didn't want to be a, a jack of all trades. I wanted to have that, you know, that focus that yeah. down. So yeah, at the time, I mean, now, obviously I got a whole bunch of species, but <laughs> you know, that was the, the initial thought. So. Yeah. Very cool. All right. That's pretty good rebuttal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I, you know, I think uh, kind of piggy, piggybacking off of what I said earlier too, it, it, I mean, you know, you, you, you do get to, ch- to, 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 to learn while you work for a professional breeder. Um, but you learn with their money, uh, and, and their mistake, your mistake in their collection, isn't your loss, it's their loss. And so, 
you know, kind of, kind of two-sided there, right? Like you, you can't cost a professional breeder lots and lots of money by continually making mistakes. So Mm -hmm. you do have an onus to perform and they do have uh, an onus to teach you correctly so that, you know, they protect their investment well, investing in you as well. So, you know, I think that, that that can look both ways there. And, you know, I mean, I think, um, you, you, learning in somebody else's collection and then deciding what you want to do. If you, you know, like you gave the example of like a breeder who's all over the place and has lots of different things. And if you can kind of take care of that and you watch that collection work and you see how that is like selling all kinds of random things and what that means in your room versus like how, you know, like what, like, gosh, this guy has all this different stuff. It doesn't line up very well. He has we have problems kind of keeping, you know, the, uh, this stuff that's kept differently than this stuff breeding consistently. Ah, I see that. So I think there's, you know, um, there's lessons to be gleaned, uh, and, and, and potentially savings, uh, to you when you decide like, okay, this is the direction I want to go when I set up my collection, this is, you know, and, and so your, your initial investment, uh, in setting up your room, setting up your, you know, how you're keeping them, your racks, your cages, your whatever your whether you're going to do bioactive, whether, whatever you're going to do can, can kind of be learned and, and move through, through other people's mistakes. So just, you know, kind of the same idea, but really kind of honing in on, on that. Okay. Um, one, one thing I maybe uh, request you to bring into there, Chuck, in, is, you know, maybe also training under other professionals, like in a zoo setting or, you know, like a nature center or something like that, you know, maybe sure. include that in some of it too. But yeah, sorry, Billy, go ahead and uh, respond. Yeah, to that. no, those are, uh, those are, if you could get into a, a zoo situation or a nature preserve or something like that, I mean, yeah, that's all really good you know, learning that you can get from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely like, you know, say if it's, uh, if I make a mistake in a, another person's collection, it's, you know, it's their loss. It's not my loss. Um, so just to kind of double down on what I said before, you know, like, yeah, I'm getting information from there, but is it really going to be as, is it going to stick as much if, I'm doing it for someone else, you know, um, when I think of a big breeder and working for him and stuff, um, I think of like the old BHB, you know, size mm-hmm. collection mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. another thing I worry about with, you know, that situation, if you work for them, right? Like you're going to get burnt out, you know, like, are you even going to want to stay in the hobby? Is it something that you went into because you enjoyed animals and this was something you wanted to do? And yeah, you're messing with, you know, the owner's money and stuff and it's all on them. But at the end of the day, are you going to even still be in the hobby? You know, Mm -hmm. how many people have worked for bigger breeders and aren't in the hobby now once they stopped working for them? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you learn on your own, yeah, the risk is on you. The there's a mistake. It's going to be on you. But there's a flip side to everything. Every success will be a hundred percent yours and you can have pride and ownership to that. Uh, and I think there's definitely something, you know, to that, to where once you 
have that success on your own. You figured it out. Like nothing can beat that, you know, like yeah. you can, you can follow the formula that the bigger guy had it, you know, every single day and everything works, everything's fine. Okay. That's cool. But when you try something that's your own, you know, personal thought that you came up with through researching and reading papers and natural history and all that, you know, you're going to be that much more excited and it's going to reinforce what you're doing. And it's not just the bottom line of, okay, we need to have a hundred clutches this year to meet, you know, our demand for, you know, supplies and all that, you know, mm-hmm. cause like I have a decent overhead. I probably have 200 snakes or so, mm-hmm. uh, depending on time of year. And, you know, it's not cheap, but yeah. that's not something I focus on. I'm not, you know, like, Oh, I have to sell this many snakes to, to do that. So it just depends on the mentality that you're, you're going with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that'd be my yeah. biggest thing is you just don't want burnout. Yeah. Um, do you, do you do it professionally or you, uh, still have a day job, that kind of thing and kind of do it I as work, a hobby business? I work two jobs. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. do this. Yeah. So uh, no, definitely okay. not professionally. <laughs> yeah. And I, maybe to, to piggyback on that too, like if you're working for, and maybe you'll bring this up. So I, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder, but if you're, if you're working for somebody else, they're probably not giving you the, the fun stuff either. Like they're going to keep all the fun stuff for themselves. If they're going to pay somebody it's to pick up poop and to, you know, feed animals. That's about it. Or, or clean cages, you know, that's, that's about all you're going to be doing. And sometimes they'll kind of partition you to a certain group of animals. So you may not get that diversity anyway, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what I would do. Yeah. I would do the cool stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Set up the babies or do fun stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chuck. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff covered there. I think um, kind of going back to like zoos and preserves and in professional settings, if you want to work in those settings, you know, they they have a very regimented and stringent way that they do things. They expect you to, you know, the, the care protocols all come from research. They all come from a place of, of, you know, some, some sort of scientifically proven fact, hopefully for the most part, <laughs> Ideally, or, or something yeah. that's, yeah, or something yeah. that has been, you know, proven to be effective. Uh, they're obviously not going to engage in stuff that is, you know, um, uh, hokey or, or, you know, this is not in their interest to do. So I think if, if you do get in, in that kind of a way, um, you, you, you're, you're already starting out in in kind of a scientifically and and um, methodical method, uh, whereas you know I think most people who start don't they don't you know you can understand that there's research out there, but most people don't know how to like negotiate to that until they've been doing it for a while. So you know potentially there's the pitfall of like where is the good information? How do I find that? Oh, that you know, these are all professionals. These people all do this for a living. These people all understand the access. Oh, these people, you know, know who to talk to about that thing. You you have constant access to a prof- a, a good professional um, uh, veterinarian. You know, like mm-hmm. there's 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 some some definite ends to that. Um, you know, I think um, y- you know that there's there is definitely. A, a potential pitfall in, in working for somebody else in that you have to do it their way. Right. Um, you know, they call the shots and, and as Justin kind of alluded to, maybe you don't get to, 
Um, you know, I, I guarantee at the San Diego Zoo, you don't start working with the King Cobras on day one. Uh, you don't get to work with Venomous. There's, you know, there's, there's, you got to work your way up with that. Um, and, and that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. And, and, but, but I would argue that even in your professional job, you didn't start. Uh, at the top doing all the cool high speed, low drag shit, right? You have to start at the bottom, uh, learn how to do stuff, but nonetheless, you still learned, you were still trained. Um, and so, you know, you get to experience the worst part of it. Oh man, this is cleaning tons of shit. And this is a lot of work. Whereas you, you get that experience ahead of having to do that uh, onto your own thing. And, you know, that gives you the idea of what the expectation is going to be if you go ahead and do that yourself. And then I guess, you know, I mean, you, you got a response, Billy, or I've got some more, but <laughs> go for it, man. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm so, hitting them all down. You, I, think, I, I think the, the, the part about working for somebody else though, is yes, you have to do it their way. Yes. There's that expectation you're learning, but hey, that's their collection, and you can walk away at any time. Hey, thanks. I appreciate this. It was cool. I'm out. And you know that that's not a whole pile of animals that you have to worry about. Uh, that's their animals, and they got to worry about figuring out, you know, whether they're going to take over, whether they're going to bring somebody else in to take over. Meanwhile, you're free to go do whatever you want. Um, so I think you know that's that's a definite bonus. Um, and, and you can kind of, you know, you can kind of pump those brakes whenever you want to. So, um, yeah. I, I'd throw in too, like when you're, you know, working for a zoo, a zoo or, you know, they, they usually have really good like quarantine procedures and, yeah. and separate facilities and things. So you kind of see the benefit of those kind of things. And like you said, veterinary staff, that's, yeah. that's and, huge. And, and I mean, <laughs> like, that. you know, the learning curve from not learning that stuff and getting mm -hmm. a big collection, getting your big collection going and then getting like, Nido, and then mm. it just rips through your collection and you know it's it's horrible like that's a, the hardest learned lesson but if you were to work for you know like a zoological association they are they're they're not playing that you know what mm. i mean could it happen yeah. sure it could but it's a lot less likely yeah. if you're if you're you know following stringent um protocols of of quarantine and stuff like that so mm. yeah yeah really good points um the the whole you can walk away at any time i mean that yeah that's a big plus i know i'm supposed <laughs> to be against it but that's that's one that i think doesn't get uh, thought about but two i mean how many people they'll stay long enough to hate it you know mm, like yeah. a lot of people don't know when you know to cut the cord if you will mm -hmm. um so i got a couple things i want to hit on from what you said um so with the regulated policies and stuff. Um, so one of my jobs is uh, I work EMS. So mm -hmm. um, I work EMS, and then my second job is I work EMS at Bush Gardens here in Tampa. Mm -hmm. So we work a lot with the zoo staff and uh, all that kind of stuff. I have been in the the snake room, you know, the reptile area, and. I've tried to talk to those guys like about medical stuff. I'm not going to go in there and be like, Hey, I keep and breed snake. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. not how you get into that. Uh, but notice like they are super stringent to where 
I know because of professionally what I do, if they get bit by a certain species, they need to go to a certain hospital. Hmm. Well, I know on the one, like they have cards on all their venomous. So whenever they're working a venomous, they put, they clip the card to them and it has all their information and all that Hmm. Uh, information of the species, what antivenom and what hospital they need to go to. So I saw that one was not the right hospital. So I'm like, Hey, do you, you know, do we have the call to say that? And he's like, no, whatever's on the card is what happens. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, that's not the right one. It was like, no, this is how it is. Don't question it. Hmm. You know, so I could see where that would be a, a turnoff, you know, even if in keeping, you know, yeah. like, hey, I'm seeing <clears throat> this and other places. Could we implement that here? No, it's A, B, C, and D. And this is how it is. And this is how it's going to go. Uh, where if <laughs> no matter if they die or, or they fail, yeah. you know, we don't care. Just do it this way. <laughs> if yeah. he dies, he dies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and I mean, too, how many species have suffered from that? And, mm-hmm. you know, a, a zoo setting or something like that to where they're so strict in everything they're doing that even though the information is out there, they, it won't take, I'm not saying zoos are terrible. Just, you know, everything has its pros and cons. Well, and I mean, who hasn't gone into a zoo and seen an animal that they just know are not thriving and they're not being kept properly. And you're like, come on guys, you're a zoo. Let's pick it up a little, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to criticize from the outside, but you know, at the same time, come on guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, another point I wanted to bring in, uh, so like with, with zoos and a nature preserve and all that, like how, how likely are you to get into that in general, like in the first place, Mm -hmm. like how, how likely am I, let's say this was 10 years ago when I moved down here. Uh, you know, I, I was just a guy that had a couple snakes and I just went up and was like, Hey, I want to be a part of this. You know, can I get in? they're not going to take people like that, you know? So how, I guess the, how difficult would it be to get in that position where you can learn those different policies, quarantine procedures, all that, you know, yeah. it sounds good, but there's the reality of it is they're not going to just welcome anybody with open arms. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I know at Bush it's, I think it's a, at least a bachelor's or something before they'll yeah. even look at you. Yeah. You know, and then the mm-hmm. pay and stuff like, eh. yeah, you know, it's so one of those things where it's like they want they want experience, but they're not willing to give unexperienced people experience. And so where do you get the yes. experience? I mean, that's a yeah. that's a that's it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's everywhere. <laughs> like anything, everyone, yeah. everyone wants free internships <laughs> yeah. from people before yeah. they they want to pay them for anything. But so. in, the, in this yeah. case, I mean, you can you can get experience on your own, like Billy's, you know, side says there. And, and, uh, I, I know that our buddy, Steve Sharp, you know, he's, he's in high demand in zoo in the zoo field because he did have that experience, you know, keeping and breeding a, a wide variety of different species before he went into the zoo field. So, you know, it can, that, that can definitely yeah. benefit you when you're doing it on your own. Sure. Definitely. I like, I guess if I'm talking about myself, I'd probably have a little more of a leg to stand on now if I went to the right place than if when I just had, you know, a handful of carpets and I'm just a guy that has a couple of snakes in his house and that's, you know, that's all. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Oh, all right, man. Like, and how easy would it be for Steve to get in there even with all of his, 
you know, all of his background in reptiles without his degree from ASU, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, you still have to meet the minimum requirement. Sure. For for a professional, unless you have an in, you know, unless you have somebody you know, yeah. I I mean, I I I was at one, you know, wasn't sure what I was doing before I had my degree, and was kind of like, hey, how do I kind of get into the reptile department at the zoo without a degree? And they're like, well, they have certain like mentorship programs, and they do have avenues. But to your point, you're a hundred percent right. Like there is definitely keys that guard the gates uh in in definitely some of those professional organizations um and and, you know maybe rightfully so you know that it's obviously if if you want to uh have a professional organization you want to have standards around who you um let in and 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 hey i i mean i still would say if this is what you wanted if you wanted to become a professional breeder and you had we're going to school to get a degree you get a degree you start working at the zoo you start learning those things and then you move on uh kind of like steve is you know interested in potentially moving on to do his own thing now i'm not saying he wants to go be a professional breeder but but potentially he learned a lot of skills through that 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 track that that he maybe didn't have or he had access to knowledge and experience that he didn't have and i think you know the, the the other thing that that working for a professional can give you is is kind of you're in the in crowd right you're with somebody who has a name that name knows other people and so it's a networking issue you know it and and you know as we all know in in professional settings networking is everything uh, almost more than how great you are sometimes which maybe for right or wrong you know that's but that's how it is right mm-hmm. so that networking really can give you um that that in potentially with other uh, you know with other professional breeders that like well I worked for him for a while and then I went over here because he had this and you know so so you you potentially could laterally transition uh in a professional setting with, with with a professional breeder uh if you're if you're good and you're in demand and you're you're kind of one of those people and then kind of go on to to do whatever um and then i think you know just really just the the other thing around that would be the access to breeding stock that you could potentially get um, with, with that networking, with those professionals. Um, you get to see how they're kept. You get to meet and know other people. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes being that in, being that 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 breeder uh, gets you can get you access to stuff that may be hard for the entry level kind of keeper who wants to get his foot in the door professionally. Oh, that's so. a good point. I hadn't thought about yeah. you know the access to rare and less yeah. frequently bred animals with, from other breeders because that that's usually probably who they talk to a lot of times. Sure, the guys who yeah. have the the big pockets and big collections yep. or something yeah. potentially. Yeah. yeah, well, with with that, I mean that's that's a really good point. I don't disagree with that at all, <laughs> but for the sake of the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what we yeah. sometimes we got to do it for the sake of the show. Yeah, for sure. So for the sake of this show, let's say Chuck is a, a big time breeder, right? He's on top of the mountain. There's Almahara's everywhere, right? He's the guy. And uh, I work under him. You know, I'm his, his number one or whatever. And I, mm-hmm. you know, do a lot of stuff. There, 
it takes a specific type of person to be able to go from that role to go to their, oh, sorry, to go uh, on their own and make a name for themselves. Or am I always going to be, oh yeah, you're Chuck's number one. Mm-hmm. That's how everyone remembers you when you network. That's, you know, you'll never get away from that shadow type of thing. You know, and is that going to hurt you? Is that going to help? I think that's going to be, you know, situation to situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my take on that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I mean, if I could just respond though, I, I mean, I, I, I really feel like though, you know, how many ball Python breeders are there out there? And if you're working for Justin Kabilka, uh, that is only going to help you. Uh, even if you're, Hey, Oh, you're, you're Justin Kabilka's number one guy rather than working for, Larry's balls, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe people know Larry's balls, but <laughs> they may not know you're not, you're not, you're Larry's number one ball guy. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't carry the weight. <laughs> yeah. doesn't carry the same weight. So yeah. I, I do, I do think, I do, I do think that really being a, a, a widely known uh, number one for a guy like that doesn't really hurt you. I, I get what I get to your I get your point about potentially being pigeonholed, but but I would also argue that you got to go out and make your own. You know what I mean? Like you, it's hustling okay. in the streets out here, uh, and and what you know, doing doing tough stuff, and 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 uh, you know, getting getting a name for yourself is because you have a talent, and you've shown the industry who has a lot of talented people in it that you know you you did stuff that you to earn their respect. So I, I think at some point you got to cut your own, you know, cut your own teeth on stuff too. I, I wonder too, if, if, uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of any examples and I don't know a ton of people that have kind of worked for pro breeders and then kind of gone out on their own and be in, but you wonder if they see them then as competition and if they, you know, know their weaknesses and try to, you know, put in hints about, Oh, this guy, when he worked for me, I don't know. He was a little, you know, yeah. they kind of, so I, I wonder if that happens, yeah. if that's a problem or, you know, you might, you might face that if you try to go out on your own, you know, that might be a challenge. Sure. It, it's going to be a case by case thing. And I think it yeah, depends on the sure. individual too. You know, mm-hmm. some people are going to be cutthroat. Some people are going to be genuine people, you know, it just, yeah. it depends. And we have both types of people in the hobby. So. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. You got to be careful. Of the that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, there's people you've never met in your life who, if you're doing well, will shit on you just for the fact to shit on you. So <laughs> Yeah. And they have so, a great online persona that everybody oh, thinks yeah. they're a saint. And then all of a sudden, oh, I heard stories. You know, maybe yeah. they're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the the beauty of the internet, right? Yeah, the best right. Worst thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you had another point I wanted to hit on, uh, having to do it their way. So I can kind of, I can relate to that. Uh, so I'm really good friends with Casey Cannon. You mm-hmm. guys have had him on a couple times. Yeah. Um, so he actually came and helped, you know, we have a couple of joint projects and stuff, so he'll come down and hang out and, um, uh, he was helping me clean cages and stuff. And I didn't realize, you don't realize when you're by yourself, <laughs> like the, the <laughs> yeah. routine you have and certain way things are done. And then he's doing his thing and I'm seeing, I'm like, Whoa, like, wait, what are you doing? You know? And, uh, 
that's probably a, a pro of, you know, doing it yourself and having your own way is that you don't have to correct anybody or, you know, worry about, Oh, do, if they're not doing it my way, then, you know, they're doing it the wrong way or is it going to hurt anything or anything like that? Um, so if you're doing it on your own and learning on your own, then you get your own routine. You don't even have to worry about that. It's just your, that's your way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, when you said that, it reminded me of seeing Casey do baby tubs, and I was like, mm, what are you, <laughs> what are you hey, doing? That's not the way I do it here. Yeah, sure. stop. But then I, you know, yeah. then I had to like take a step back. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's literally just cleaning it, paper, water, good. You know, like, yeah, as long as that gets done, who cares? Yeah, uh, but you know, it's something I've never had to worry about because you know, I've always done it my own way. Hmm. Uh, Another thing I wanted to bring up. So as I said at the beginning of the show, I tried to get a mentor. I tried to get people to, to teach me things, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess this was before. I, how do I say this? I guess it was before I was known, if mm-hmm. I'm known, I, you know, like, uh, you know, we all have our own little circles and stuff. But I guess before that happened, sure. uh, one of the biggest things I didn't know how to sex snakes. And what's the biggest thing that they put out there? You know, there's so there's little bullet points that in the hobby, it's like, okay, to learn this, you need to find somebody to teach you experience this and that, blah, blah, blah. I have a pretty good uh, reptile presence here in this area. You know, the Tampa, Orlando, you know, just Florida in general, there's reptiles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody that has <laughs> some type of experience. Yeah. I reached out to a lot of people and not one would take the time to, you know, show me how to probe or teach me how to pop or whatever that I got sent videos and like, Oh, you'll figure it out. You know, you'll be fine. You know, but you hear so many times like, Oh, you need to have someone experience. You can hurt the animal. You can this, you can that. But I was in that situation. I had no choice, but to learn myself Mm -hmm. and do that. And luckily it, you know, it worked out, but yeah. That's, that's funny. Cause I, I heard a story about a, a certain, uh, I guess, higher profile breeder and in, in Florida and, uh, he was going to sex a snake and ended up sticking the probe in the, in the rectum, in the, up the cloaca the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, took a left oh yeah, took a right. <laughs> that's a male, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, maybe that's the problem he had too. He couldn't find anybody to teach him. So he just had to learn on his own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely, there's definitely times when you're potentially working for somebody else where you're like, all right, I know already I do that better than you. Yeah. Like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. So, yeah. um, and, you know, that's a, that's going to be, that's going to be a thing. And, yeah. and, and Hey, I mean, um, you know, uh, potentially the other side to that is, maybe they're not good at sexing snakes, but they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of snakes and, mm-hmm. and you're having to sell snakes for them. You're going to have to get really good at sexing those snakes. And Oh, by the way, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of snakes to practice on. versus, you know, you, you, you starting yourself and having, you know, so, so one at, you know, um, and, 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 you know, you have heard about big breeders who maybe have sent people, incorrectly sex snakes uh you that's on the big breeder's name that's not on their people who sex their sex their snakes wrong so mm-hmm. 
potentially not good, not good for, you know, not good for you as the potential employee or intern or whatever, but definitely worse for them. So again, you know, I think there's certain things that hopefully if they're good, they, that, you know, they know how to do that stuff and they teach you correctly so that they don't sullen their name. But if you're sullening their name, at least you're getting good practice sullying it. So, you know, soiling it, right? Like, yeah, kind of how I see it. Yeah. Well, um, our buddy, our buddy, our buddy Ben, ben, ben Morrill is going to make all that a thing of the past, right? We can just well, send, send in the shed skin. We don't need to pop or probe or anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 Little, well, just a little I, shout I, out to Ben. That's all. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Deserves what up, ben? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I wanted to run back because I, I realized I kind of uh, skipped over it, but um, you know, when you were talking about and uh, a really good point about, you know, uh, p- places that have the, you know, the basically the wrong information on their protocol, um, I think probably the bigger issue there would be people who have no protocol. And so potentially, you know, what uh, when I think about like the 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 repercussions of those two kind of diametrically opposed things. What what's worse is is somebody who has a bunch of cobras or or venomous and they get bitten and they have no bite bite bite, bite protocol. My goodness! Oh, you just and, made fun and, of me, and it's yeah, coming back to <laughs> So, uh, you know what? Like, and and what is that? That ends up on the news. That is the mm. that is the antithesis of potential legislation in that state. Versus, yes, this guy. Uh, work for the zoo. It, it makes the news, but nobody wants to legislate a zoo mm-hmm. over that kind of a mistake because they're licensed and insured and they have all these protocols and they, they had a flaw in their protocol and they have to address it. I think that, you know, it's just viewed publicly a little bit differently. Yeah. So I just would, you know, just respond to that one. Yeah. No, I, Definitely being in Florida, I can. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, that, right? Yeah, that does happen. Yeah, because <laughs> we got people that are, you know, you also run into people that are just too prideful to admit that you know they were wrong or they're doing something wrong or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's people being people, right? You can't. Oh yeah, you know, you're never gonna that. get around. Yeah, you're never gonna get around that. And I mean, <laughs> I, that isn't to say that there's not you know professionals out there who have sloppy protocols and don't, you know, do things the right way. And I think Phil Wolf kind of brought that into focus when we were talking about venomous mentorship uh, mm-hmm. and, and was kind of like, you know, some of his horror, horror experiences on having to learn from people who weren't doing it the right way. So, you know, again, like you can suffer from the ills of, of, of a professional doing it the wrong way too. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's notable. Oh, definitely. He's, he's told me more than a few stories of why he does certain things because of, you know, big places he worked in the past and yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. That's, (laughs) I mean, I'm helping your argument, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, the, just because you have a big name or you, you know, whatever, it's not all it, all, it ain't all roses, you know, like there's, you know, you, when you when you get down in the weeds, sometimes you find out that, you know, there's there's uh, there's more to it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, let's say I'm I work for a, a ball python breeder and, 
And that's all they know. And I know that my interest is, you know, what I have carpets and old world rats and excuse me, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only so much of that information and knowledge that I get from there that I can apply to my animals. Yeah. You can apply a lot. Um, then definitely the, the business side of it and stuff, but you know, there's still, even if you learned a lot from them, you're still going to have to, when you branch out, learn on your own or learn your own, you know, make your own mistakes to learn from and stuff. Uh, so even if it's a combination of the two, you know, there's still pros to both of it, both of them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You can add it that way. And then how many, I guess from what you were saying, Chuck, that just because they're a big name doesn't mean that they're on the up and up on, you know, stuff you'd expect them to. How many people just kind of skated by? Let's say I'm, I've been in it for 20 years. I'm well known around the country. I go to all the big shows and I have had guys that they'll do the dirty work for me. You know, they, they palpate the females for me. They sex all the babies for me. They deal with the trouble feeders. They do all that. Mm-hmm. So our next thing I know, it's been two decades and I can tell you about the animal, but if you come to me with a problem and I need to troubleshoot, I might not have the best information, you know? So mm-hmm. it doesn't, just because he's that bigger guy doesn't mean that he's going to be the pinnacle of knowing the answers to all your questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've heard well, of a lot I, of, a lot of those, uh, you know, pinnacle guys that are taking credit for somebody else's work and making yeah. it seem like they did it all just cause it was done at their company, you know, and that's, and I'm just going to say, uh, <laughs> if you're working for them and that's the case, fuck them. Who gives a fuck? That's their problem, right? I mean, you know what I mean? If you learn how to do all that shit and it sets you up and you walk away a fucking badass and they burn themselves to the ground, that's their fucking fault. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But taking that, if, you know, let's say you're the guy that, let's say you're you're Justin that, um, you know, learned on his own. He's got all the, he knows how to troubleshoot everything. He's seen just about everything that can happen. He produces all this stuff. You go to him and he has an answer for everything. Every bit of advice he gives you, it works because he's learned from experience and he's learned from actually being, you know, in the trenches, if you will, with those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take that guy over the guy that just spent a lot of money and got a big collection that he had to hire somebody to take care of it for him and maybe missed out on those opportunities to learn, Mm. you know, just another take on it. I'm not saying big breeders are like that. That's, I know. I hope that's not how it's coming across. No, 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 Um, I I take, I take your point. Mm -hmm. And that, that has, I mean, there are examples of that, you know, they usually don't last too long, but you know, there are examples of that. Thankfully. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oftentimes though, those, those big breeders are, you know, they, they've gone through a lot and, and kind of learned on their own before they got to that point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they, yeah, but I would say probably the majority are that way, but yeah, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of there, several that break those rules as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I see them all the yeah. time here. The, the market mm-hmm. here and not to, not to like poo poo on that community, but you see it a lot in ball pythons because they're, you know, they don't, they don't take up a lot of space. You can get them to breed, you know, fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen plenty of breeders around here that 
you know, they put in a few grand, they get, you know, a couple racks, they end up their first year, they end up, you know, with clutches and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you ask them questions and they're, they can tell you all the morphs and they can tell you, you know, this (laughs) times that and the ratio and probability of this and all that. But if you asked them, you know, let's say a natural history question or, you know, Hey, what if, what if the snake gets constipated or what if this, they haven't experienced it yet because maybe they got into it for different motivation besides love of the animal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I hate to say it, but I've seen that multiple times here going to the local shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's. Well, I mean, de- definitely people with money in their eyes uh, and cash to burn uh, have fucked it up with reptiles, you know, uh, over and over and again. Like, definitely you see that, right? Like that that's a that's a thing. And, and that's not even just a thing in ball pythons. That's a thing in reptiles. <laughs> Always has been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the, that's the most hilarious part of it is the, the, you know, like Justin says, if you want to make a million dollars in reptiles, you have to start with two, right? Like <laughs> it's not, you know, and so, and so those people who are good businessmen, you know, they, they, you know, and they want to make a living at it. That's who you want to learn from. And and obviously, like, you're not, you may not, like, to your point, you may not always have access to those people. They may not be in your area. You know, they may not always be super open to, like, you know, hey, yeah, come on. I'll, I'll show you some things. I'll teach you, da, 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 because they're also concerned about their competition because, you know, selling snakes is, like, you know, because of the mantra of, like, oh, everyone should be a breeder. Everybody needs to do this. So, you know, every, every breeder is, like, man, am I just selling, am I just making another co- competitor for myself right here by making this sale? So it, it's kind of a, you know, there's always these like crazy push pull forces, but, but I do think that, um, you know, when you talk about getting in and, and building a, a, a collection that becomes a business to become professional, you start at one that th- there is, there's definitely tiers to being a professional breeder and, and starting at the bottom and those types of sales are not the same as working like the bells or somebody who works at large scale. Right. So if you can get that large scale experience, it's easy to kind of back calculate yourself to figure out how to get there. But if you've never been there, it might be easier to, to see it first working successfully and hopefully it works successfully or I guess at the very least, maybe you're like, all right, that's not how to do it. Right. You know, so I, you know, I, yeah. I don't believe in bad data. Uh, everyone is, can teach you something. Right. Sure. Um, I, I, I've made this kind of plea before, but I, I want to just throw this in again. You know, if we, we got to get past this whole multi-level marketing idea of reptile breeding, you know, like, Oh, you buy this morph and breed it to this morph and you can make babies and sell them for this much. And, you know, you make your, make your money and stuff like that. I I'm so sick of the whole pyramid scheme ideal for, for reptiles and, and you know, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of kind of 
pushing that a little bit, you know, several years back, like, <laughs> Hey, you know, when I was into ball pythons and things like that, and it's hard not to get caught up in that excitement of the, oh, the, yeah. the new morphs and the new combinations and all that kind of stuff. But I really think it's more damage does more damage than good. You know, let's, let's move past yeah. the, the, pyramid I team <laughs> i do i do think though because all three of us are, are breeders right all three mm-hmm. of us breed and and you know i mean i'm i don't have a website or a business or anything like that but but i like breeding that's what i mm-hmm. like to do and i like to breed stuff that kind of matters in my you know i would hope sure. in my yeah. opinion that that, that that there's kind of a point to it in the end right whether that's like yeah. entry-level geckos that i can get a kid geeked and hook them into reptiles yeah. and they love it or you know establishing a species that has been you know notoriously difficult to breed like there yeah. should be something there but um Oh fuck! I just totally lost my whole train of thought. Well, I, I mean, Damn. that's. I, I think I, you know. I kind of know what you're what you're driving at, but like, um, if if you're doing it for for the love of the animals, you know, that's got to come first because yeah. you're not going to have any staying power if it's for money. And lo, you know, like Chuck just said, if you if you want to make a million dollars, you know, <laughs> you got to yeah. figure out what to well, do. So, you know, you just, you, you're not going to be you, rich breeding reptiles at least in the, in the immediate, you know, term, you, you've got to put in a lot of work and a lot of effort to make that money. And it's very, the morph game shows you that so fast. I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's one of the better, the better negative sides of the morph game is you Mm -hmm. get all these people who come in who are like, yeah, I'm going to put this big money down. I'm going to get these things. And by the time they get them up to size, their, their investment has decreased so much in value because of the, you know, the way uh, the, the production and time happens happens that they're like fuck now i have to spend the next six years selling these things to make my money back versus the guy who bought first and he only had to spend you know three years or two years you know what i mean like so like then you're like oh oh i didn't understand the game i was playing and and if they worked for a big breeder they would see that without having to learn that hard lesson right (laughs) i mean you know potentially potentially Uh because they'd see oh these these guys are just trading amongst themselves they're not really putting those new morphs out on the market except for silly money you know they're actually trading them amongst each other rather than you know selling them for big cash so you know, but, but, but they put on the, the airs that, oh, I just sold, you know, I, I, I got, I moved 10 of these and they're $60,000 snakes, even though they yeah. just traded a bunch of lower level yeah. morphs for them or something. Yeah, you know. They sell the dream. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, look behind sure. the curtain. Don't look behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, selling the dream keeps perpetuating the cycle, right? Yeah. Getting yeah. other people to be like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in this because I'm, I want the dream. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's. You know, it's, no, it's, go it's, find it's, 10 of your friends and get them you know, to join yeah. up and <laughs> then you can be like me. <laughs> it's like a multi. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. my God. It's a multi multi-level marketing <laughs> scheme. Holy fucking shit. Like, <laughs> you know, so I have, I have a whole bunch of morph carpets that I remember when I first saw them, I was like, holy crap, I'll never get these. Mm-hmm. Now I see like you said, like I, I mess with carpets because I like carpets. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. like really gets deep into carpets because they're looking for the payday. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. came to terms with it a long time ago. I'm never going to make my money back. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. the yeah. nature yeah. of the beast. For the yeah. love of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I see some of the stuff I have and I remember when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, this will be so out of reach and all that. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, now they're, you know, affordable and I'm able to work with them. And it's, I don't look at it like, man, I wish this thing was still $3,000 and I could, you know, get a clutch of them and make 20 grand and not like, I could care less if they, if they're 150 and I can get someone jazzed about the species. That's, you know, that's why I got into it in the first place. That's why I put in all the groundwork to learn on my own and make the mistakes and all that. So I could be that person to get someone else excited about it. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I think that's one of the coolest reasons to work with stuff that ain't worth shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. you don't get your, it's already, it's already priced, right? <laughs> it's already. And if yeah. it's, if it's cool and you like it, you're not, you're, you, I mean, I don't mean this in a negative way, but nobody's special and unique. If you like it, there's going to be other people who like it. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, you're weird and you like angry scrub pythons and that's your thing. But <laughs> there's still people out there who like angry scrub pythons. Mm-hmm. Now there, there's not a lot of them because <laughs> you know, nobody likes getting assaulted uh, repeatedly, no. but, but, but they're out there, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, all shapes and sizes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I work that- with a lot of, um, whole world rats that are, I hate saying this, but it's kind of what the hobby is coined certain species, you know, like the, the throwaway mm-hmm. species. Mm-hmm. So like the, uh, like radiated rats and, uh, yellow striped rats and, you know, a lot of the stuff from Indonesia and all that, that are, they're just hell on wheels and they're always going at you and yeah. you know, you can get them wholesale for 20 bucks and all that. Like I have groups of those that I'm just so excited about. Like that's honestly what I'm most excited about this year is having a shot at producing uh, radiated rats and flavolinius because like those, they're just such cool species, yeah. you know? So I'm really grateful that I'm able to do this and I joke and say, I have my real life and then I have my reptile life and I'm able to keep them separate. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the fact that I can work with all these different species. And I found myself, the more I, I've gotten into the hobby, you find yourself in little circles, you know, like I'm in yep. the Morelia circle and I'm in, you know, some old world rat circles and, you know, all that. And it's just, it's cool. And like you said, just trading them all around, you know, yeah, we're, we're all a part of that, yeah. you know, in our own little circle. Yeah. So yeah, that just makes it more enjoyable and, um, yeah, I guess I lost my train of thought on that. Oh, that's no, that's kind of how, it, that's it. yeah, yeah kind of how it used to be, you know, where where it yeah, was more yeah. like, you know, you didn't necessarily worry about breeding, but if you were lucky enough to breed, then you hooked up your buddies who were into the same things you were, you know, and and you corresponded by pen and paper or something, you know. It's like the well, uh, another point that I can bring up is how how many people get in with the sole purpose of breeding. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said earlier, I kept carpets for 10 years without even thinking about breeding because I wanted to learn everything I could about them as far as yeah. husbandry and, you know, all like Morelia is a, if you don't know anything about Morelia and then you get into it, it is daunting. Like we all <laughs> take it for granted with all the subspecies and crosses yeah. and morphs. And now this is changing, that's changing. And, <laughs> you know, you take Sorry. it for granted once you get it all straight in your head. You know, but taking that time to actually learn the species and not worry about, oh, well, I bought this pair of snakes for X amount of dollars. I need to recoup that. You know, I think it only helps in the long term. Yeah. So I try to tell people that and a lot of people don't like it, but, you know, like I'm nice about it. But yeah, like I had a 
I guess a quick little story. I had a a guy come up to me at a local show and he asked if I had any, he was looking for some more football Python. And I'm like, well, I don't have any, you know, if you look at the table, there's not a ball Python on there. And uh, he was like, okay, well, I'm looking for this and uh, I got to get it now because I just rescued this something, something female and I got to breed them this year. <laughs> and I, you know, oh, it's like, boy. Hey man, you, and I said it just like this. I'm like, you don't have to breed that animal. Like you just said you, it came from a rescue. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Well, he just turned around, walked away and went to the next guy that would sell him what he wants. And then he's going to try to produce more, you know? And yeah. yeah. I really feel sorry for those people because they don't, I feel like they don't, uh, how do I say this? I guess everybody doesn't have the same passion. If that's the right word. Yeah for the hobby, you know, obviously like guys like us do, um, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing this and not being like all in, you know, like yeah. how miserable would that be I, to like I, clean? I would and say, I would kind of say, I feel like I have some disdain, disdain for those people <laughs> and, and I feel sad for their animals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I'll I mean? That. I'll take, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's the same thing as the the lower level of the multi-level marketing scheme. You know, the, the guys at the bottom are doing all the heavy lifting and, and get all the crap and have to pay all this money for their product and, you know, have a hard time moving it. And the people up above yeah. them are just laughing all the way to the bank, you know. I, yeah. I Don't be like, you know, don't be the bottom rung. And, and that's the thing is you can be passionate about something that you're excited about, but don't, don't do it for the money. It's just, yeah. it's not there. It's, it's a yeah, pipe it's, dream, you know, it's not a thing. Yeah. 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 And, well, last year, and, and, and I, I, I'll go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, it's not a thing unless you do like what the bells used to do where, you know, cause they're not as big as they used to be. They've gotten rid mm-hmm. of a lot of their stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, they used to be the largest producer. I know in the, in the States, possibly the world. Yeah. And they had the, you know, the pet, the big box pet store, uh, accounts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were supplying, mm-hmm. you know, Petco and PetSmart across the country with, you know, their bearded dragons, ball pythons, corn snakes, kings, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're making money. They're not going to do that and put that, <laughs> you know, many animals out if they're not making yeah. money, but yeah. money for sure. That's, it also it took them time to build yeah. up to that. They didn't just mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I'm going to breed snakes," and oh, here's this 20 acre, <laughs> you know, place <laughs> yeah. that I have all these facilities on, and I'm just going to start cranking out all these animals. Yeah. You know, it also took time for them to build up and stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, and 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 you know, I, I think yeah, to, to giving you a point here. Um, you know, when you get those bigger those bigger people, and and I was thinking of you know. Um, uh, I, you know, I was thinking of uh, Dan and and, and Nicolette right. when we, when we were uh, at NARBC, and you know, they I've always thought of them as ball python people, right? And then you know, when we went to the to the show last time, I don't even think they had a single ball python on that table at all, but they had, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of colubrids and mm-hmm. and uh, knobtails and just different stuff. So it's like they have to. You know, because they get it at that size, they have to go at what's popular. So, and you know, just like just like the '80s, those fashions come back around again, and then they wax and they wane. And you know, uh, yeah, the the Mexican black rat, uh, the uh, the Mexican black uh, king snake, uh, king snakes, like they were, you know, 
cheap as dirt and now they're they're in vogue again and they're expensive and of and the the, it'll, yeah and, and yeah. so you know you're 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 kind of on that windmill cycle and i guess you know if you're cool with that and, and you just like breeding stuff and you and that's how you make your living and you're okay with that cool man but i definitely could see like fuck this i don't want to work with this stuff this is what's popular fuck okay well i guess i gotta do that you know and that's no that 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 to me would be no fun so you know i i just i i think there's definitely something to be said for having your own freedom and being able to you know punch your own ticket um yeah so yeah but 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 again, you know, Nick Mutton, a guy who's punching his own ticket. So, you know, you can do it. You can do it. You just got to be the guy. You know what yeah. I mean? If that's what yeah. you really love, you got to be the guy. That's hustle. That's work. That's why Nick's on the motherfucking phone every day, you know, <laughs> clamming, you, you know, talking you up, not getting off like, you know. An hour minimum. Yeah, yeah. hour minimums. Easy. Easy. Uh, yeah. So... Well, I, yeah, I think this has been a, a really insightful discussion. Some a lot of good points being yeah, made. You guys got fun. anything else you need to put out there? We got we covered it. You got any closing statements? Oh, I feel like we covered it. I mean, yeah. both sides have its its positives, you know, and both sides have its negatives. So I think we both did a good job at <laughs> really talking for both sides because it's just mm-hmm. it's one of those topics that there's really no right answer. You know, like I said a couple times, I wish like hell I could have found somebody to help me get through the growing pains and stuff. But the fact that I didn't, you know, years later, I appreciate that I was able to do it on my own and, Mm -hmm. you know, learn that way. So, yeah, you know, the best lessons are often the hardest lessons learned. And those lessons are often done through, you know, your own mistake. So I, you know, I fundamentally believe in that you have to, and, and, you know, I, I think working with, with a professional breeder or whatever, and having a safe space to make mistakes, you know, i.e. you don't bankrupt yourself by making a mistake or, you know, and, and it's in a controlled environment where maybe they're kind of watching over you. Maybe that's great, you know, but, but in the end, you know, you, you, you still have to, to be the one learning, uh, and, and having a mentors there is great, but you don't always have a mentor. So it, it is, it's a, you know, it's a minefield of, of nuance, uh, and, and not an easy, you know, straightforward one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Well, you could also just a, one more point. You can mm-hmm. also like learn on your own for 10, 15, 20 years. That doesn't mean that you can't get a quote unquote mentor then and continue to learn, you're going to keep learning Mm -hmm. no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, whether if you're learning from somebody or you're learning on your own or whatever, you know, don't think just because you've been doing it X amount of years that there's nothing else that you can learn. I mean, Justin, how many things did you and Nick learn, you know, write in the new book? Oh yeah. (laughs) It's you guys guys know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Leave it at that. (laughs) It's a lot bigger. Um, I, I think too, like, um, like you were talking about with the circles, you know, you, you get to know people that have similar interests and you can, and and that's when the real kind of ideas are bounced off each other and, and, you know, Hey, have you thought about this or have you tried this? And, and you actually learn quite a bit when you, you know, 
yeah. what would network, what Chuck was talking about, you, you network and you kind of get to know those people and, and then, you know, you grow together and, and, and those are some of my favorite, I mean, this, that was kind of a little bit of the impetus for the show is to bounce ideas and hear the other side and see kind of things from a different point of view, because you, you don't learn anything if you're set in your ways and you're not listening to the other side, you're not thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, the alternatives. You're just, Oh, this is the way I do it. I just put these two together in November and then I get gather eggs. And, you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta kind of think outside the box sometimes. And, and, you know, the more people you have in that circle, the, the more brain power you've got collectively and, and the more you can learn as a group and, and grow mm-hmm. together. So, so Definitely. it's, you know, in the communities out there, there's some really great communities out there, you know, you, you're sure going to have your bad apples, but you, for the most part, there's a lot of good people and, you know, you can find them, um, through various means, but yeah, that's a, a good way to do it. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. Well, <laughs> Good stuff, guys. <laughs> I I uh, neglected to ask you. I, this has been kind of I've been scratching my head about this for a while. But w- where's your company name come from? And re- uh, pronounce it again for me. <laughs> U- it's Uwabami. Uwabami. Okay. Yeah, Uwabami reptiles. Uh, my sister actually came up with it. Uh-huh. Uh, it just means snake in Japanese. Okay. And then my Kenji character also means snake. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, I got validated. So, you know, they always talk about the, the Asian guys coming at the shows, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. with the fanny pack and all that. That's, yeah, a, that's thing. a thing. That's a fucking oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. Well, Justin's like, yep. I, I, I. It's a great thing, too, when they come yeah, to your table they and they're like, oh, oh well, yeah, they, yeah, they spend serious <laughs> money sometimes. Yep. So yeah. they came to my table. They didn't buy anything. So it wasn't one of those stories. <laughs> yeah. But uh, had the, yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it was the little older guy, and he only spoke Japanese. And then he had a younger his guy, inter- his interpreter. His interpreter. Yeah. They always and, have an interpreter. And so, of course, they stopped right at my table and they're like, Oh, do you do business in Japan? Because they saw my name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, no, I just thought it was cool and a, a cool idea for a logo. And, you know, I didn't want to do like, you know, BH reptiles or something like Like, I wanted to do something yeah. original and something simple. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, I told them and then they saw I had sighty stuff on the table. So like, oh, we're not looking for that. But so before they left, I'm like, hey, real quick, am I correct here or did I completely mess up? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, you know, whispered real quick and then they're like, no, that's that's right on. That's what it should be. Like, yes. <laughs> nice. Ooh, it, nice. Was, yeah. it wasn't the, the dumpling soup or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The you hear about the like tattoos. Water and fire like, yeah. I was oh, just that's, thinking, that's what I was thinking. It says Kung Pao chicken. It doesn't yeah. say snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's I also cool. found okay. out like, any like, like ties to Japan or was it just kind of something cool? Um, uh, my sister married a Japanese guy. So I guess that's where it came from, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. it's cool. I, I like it. Um, my fiance is Asian too. She's not Japanese though. And uh-huh. uh, we've had people come up to the table. We had these two older Southern white ladies come up and just sweet mm-hmm. as could be, but they're like, they see her and she goes, Oh, I, I uh, see this is probably because of you with the name and stuff. And she's like, no, that's, this was way before me, you know, I don't know about that, but it's a conversation starter. So I guess that's what, yeah, it for be, sure. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's yes. cool. 
Okay. I just want to say that was Justin's dogs and not mine. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, you heard in the background. That's a rare event. They're usually upstairs. I know. I've I've got an honorary old dog and we just got a puppy. He's always growling and barking at the puppy. So Uh, obnoxious dogs. They want to get on fight club. (laughs) That's right. We'll have to have (laughs) your dogs fight my dogs. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) call it, call it reptile mania. (laughs) There you go. Um, how, how do people uh, get in touch with you, Billy? Yeah. Put your info out. Uh, you can get in touch with me, Uabami on, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, but I haven't done anything in a while on that. Um, yeah, just message me on there. Um, uh, I'm always down to talk to anybody, you know, about reptiles. So, hmm. um, yeah, those are the main places. Cool. I mean, that's where we all talk to each other anyway. So. Right on. Well, uh, appreciate you being on the show and sharing your uh, point of view. It's been a really great discussion. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, we'll acknowledge, uh, the Morelia Python radio network, moreliapython.com. Or is it moreliapythonradio.com? I really got to get this straight, man. I, <laughs> Eric's probably not very happy, but um, so check them out on, on all the social medias and, and all that good stuff. Um, Check me out, uh, Australian Addiction Reptile or AustralianAddiction.com. I should know my own site, Australian Addiction Reptiles. And, uh, and we'll, uh, how about you, Chuck? How do people, uh, you? You, you don't want to find Chuck? I'm not, I'm not, leave worried. Chuck alone. Yeah, I'm not worried. <laughs> he was late to the show. He doesn't get to plug himself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> get that's off right. his lawn, guys. Get off his that's lawn. That's correct. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening to Reptile Fight Club, and we'll catch you next week for another episode. Billy Badass, Justin, and I are fucking out. Fight Club.